What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Straight Up Podcast with Mike and Mark Eden. Today we'll be covering the NFL. Um, we'll be talking about teams that are overrated, underrated. Do teams really tank? Um, and what's about the tanking? And teams we think actually have a shot at that. Um, so episode one and two will drop at the same time. So here's episode two. Um, today, TJ, we're going to be talking about the NFL power rankings. Um, let's start off with, like, who do you think are your obvious contenders to win the Super Bowl or to at least make a playoff push? Off the top of my head, I'm making the assumption that the Bills and the Chiefs are going to be a team in the AFC Championship, especially a team to beat in general. Um, both of them have a lot of firepower, have a lot of offensive player power, and very solid on the defensive end. So I feel like in the long run, in ha- like we're nearly halfway through the season, they're the teams to kind of beat, and they're very much hitting their stride right now. Even though the Bills are 5-1, and one, they lost to the Dolphins, and the Chiefs are five and two, you know, and they lost to the Bills and lost to another team I, I forgot about. But those two teams are like teams that are complete shoe ins. Those are the teams that you expected at the beginning of the year to come out, be established, and you know, keep up that same momentum as they did last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm on the same page. It's the Chiefs every year. They're led by Pat Mahomes. They lost. I know they lost Tyreek Hill, but then they reloaded with Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. All those kind of guys, they reload their receiving core. So I think, obviously, the Chiefs are that kind of deal. It's going to be, can they put up 40 points a game because their defense is going to allow 30 points a game. They're an offensive-built team. I think the Bills, on the other hand, Josh Allen, um, Stephon Diggs, I think the one spot that worries me about the Bills is they don't have a running game. They have James Cook back there and their other running back, but Josh Allen is throwing 40 passes a game. Can you keep that up? Obviously, against a good secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick and those guys down at the Dolphins, it didn't end up working too well. But we'll see what happens going forwards there with the Bills. I really like them. I really like Josh Allen. He's a big mobile quarterback who can do a lot of things with the ball. Um, and obviously, Stephon Diggs is probably the best, if not one of the best route runners in the NFL yeah. currently. Now, on the other hand, we've got those are the two teams that we really think could make a push. Both of those teams are a- and AFC. AFC so the teams. NFC to me is like wild open. Yeah, the NFC is wide open. I mean, Falcons could make Falcons. Could All right, make. let's not let's not get out of here. <laughs> but right. let's talk about the teams you're not sold on yet. Those teams that are five and one, maybe four and two, maybe even three and three, even on the season. But you're not a hundred percent sold on them yet. Uh, well, I'm gonna come off right off the jump and say the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, right now they're five and two. Um, had Dak Prescott. Injured for majority of the season so far, and like two and zero from Cooper Rush. Two and zero from Cooper Rush, and those two and zero games feel like a fluke to me because Cooper Rush is more like a floor general instead of a quarterback that led them to become two and zero. I think he just did what needed to be done in order to win that game, and he didn't make he made limited mistakes. But I mean, I'm not completely sold on Dallas Cowboys. I never am because they always find a way to fumble it or stumble somewhat somehow through like three fourths of the season. Yeah. So I'm not completely sold on them. Uh no no longer sold on the New York Jets because they're five and two right now. Very solid start. But very young team. They just lost a star running back Brees Hall, who was a rookie, was tearing it up in the circuit right now, but I don't feel like they can come back from losing that. And they lost a He's done for the season. Done ACL, for the season right? with the ACL. Yep. And they lost an offensive tackle as well yep. for the season. I think I agree with you there. I think my two teams that I really point out is I'm not sold on the Eagles yet. Mm. I think Jalen Hurts is having a big season, big sophomore jump. We see a lot of quarterbacks that happen. You know, Trevor Lawrence is playing a lot better this year than he was last year. 
Um, we see a lot of quarterbacks make that sophomore year leap, but I'm just not sold on the Eagles yet. I, I, I love what they have going. They've got Jordan Davis at the nose tackle. I'm a huge Georgia fan, so, you know, love love N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis and all those guys up in Philadelphia right now, but I'm just not 100% sold on them yet. Like, I love the fan base, love that. There's just – I haven't been – their wins that we look at, I'm not 100% sold on just quite yet. If you look at the roster, I mean, their wins – they're they're five and two. Their wins are against oh sorry six and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Their wins are against the Lions, the Vikings, the Commanders, the Jaguars, the Cardinals, and the Cowboys. And now, if you look at it, Cardinals and Cowboys are about their only two real wins. You've got the Jaguars, you've got the Vikings, you've got the Lions, and the Commanders are their other four. You're sitting at six and zero oh with only two real wins on the season. I'm not really putting a lot of respect on it. Makes sense. And then the other one for me is is the Giants. You know, Daniel Jones having a good year. Um, Saquon having a fantastic year coming off. Fantastic comeback year. Cu- huge comeback year. Probably in that comeback player of the year conversation. I'm not sold on them. They're the Giants. It's a New York <laughs> sports team. <laughs> I'm just, I, they, they'll, fun, they'll find a way. You, you look at the Knicks, you look at the Yankees a couple <laughs> days ago, like they're just going to find a way to fumble the bag eventually yeah. sometimes down the season. Must be um, a curse, dude. If I'm a betting man, I'm not putting money on the Giants to go any farther than the divisional round. I don't think nobody would. Yeah. So let's talk, now that we know the teams that are really good and the teams that we're not sold on that are still kind of really good, let's talk about who is really trash at football this year. Just who's a really bad football team and who who is tanking for maybe C.J. Stroud, maybe Bryce Young, maybe um, Will Anderson we could see come off the board number one, or um, the the guy from Georgia. So I guess, okay, I'm going to go with the two teams that I feel like are very trash, but, like, they don't mean to be trash. They just are. Like, I don't feel like they're purposely tanking, but they just are. And I'm going with the Texans and the Lions. I feel like both of those – the Lions, I feel like, have a great culture. Like, they came out the last season of Hard Knocks, and, like, I love the coach there. I love the atmosphere. But I just feel like they don't have the necessary pieces yet. But I don't know what pieces you need. Like, I feel like Jared Goff is a very – okay, hot take. I feel like Jared Goff is a very solid quarterback. He's not the quarterback that's going to – Mid. <laughs> I, I just think Jared Goff's a mid quarterback. I mean, but he I'm saying he's not the quarterback. You got you got to realize he did lead the Rams to a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not going to do that with the Lions. I mean, he's not he's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes for, throw for 405 tutties kind of guy. Yeah, like, I mean, he's not, but he's definitely not going to be a Baker Mayfield type of guy either though. He's also not going to throw for three interceptions in a game. Uh, he's just going to sit there. What I'm saying is there's definitely better, but there's also worse. Yeah, but I mean, I don't. I would see why like the lines aren't really efficient right now. So those two teams are particularly like trash to me, and the other two teams that are bad but still trying to figure it out are teams I feel like are tanking on purpose are the Panthers and the Broncos. I had the Broncos as well, but I, see the thing is for me, I don't think the Broncos are doing it on purpose. I think the Broncos' offensive coordinator is ruining everything. I watched the Broncos game the other day. It was it was what was it that. Monday night football game mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Russell Wilson looked good in the first quarter, right? Yeah. He was, they, they put up 16 points in the, in the first in first quarter and a half, and then you come out and you throw nine bubble screens in the second half. Like At this point, you're just asking Russell Wilson to fail, and you, you give them two, three first-rounders and $250 million for him to throw nine bubble screens. I could do that. I could go out there and throw – a two-yard slant route and stuff yeah. like that. So I think it's not the Broncos' fault necessarily they're bad. I think their offensive coordinator needs to be fired. Yeah, but at the same time, like, the Broncos is a weird situation because, you you know, you got they got rid of Drew Locke, 
and they bring in Russell Wilson. They pay him a lot of money to come in and try to play and win immediately. And, like, I never thought that the Broncos had the pieces necessarily to be contenders. So, like, to go pay a veteran quarterback who is very well established in the league but is obviously, like, probably on the decline of his career to a large sum amount of money and say, hey, let's win now. You know, it's kind of hard to do from the get-go. So I didn't understand what the Broncos were trying to do, like with going from kind of like a tanking method to a win now. But, you know, they're 2-5 right now. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. It's kind of an odd spot to be in. So so now that we're talking about Danger, Danger Russ and all those kind of guys, that the older quarterbacks, the veteran quarterbacks, let's talk about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford. Um, those teams that are that are sitting there. So the Bucks are three and four. The Packers are three and four. The Broncos are two and five. And the Colts, Matt Ryan as well. Those are three and three. Is it time for those guys to hang it up, or is it? Or who's to blame? Do you blame the head coach? Do you blame the quarterback? Or do you blame the offensive coordinator? All right. So let's start with what team we want to start with first. Let's go. Let's go. Tom Brady. Let's go. Tom, Tom Brady and the Bucks. Okay. If I'm Tom Brady and the Bucks, I'm not panicking at all. You're in the NFC South. You're three and four. You're tied with the Falcons. And you have the most complete team out of anybody in that division. So you regroup, you find out what the problem is, and you fix it. You don't panic. There's no reason for them to panic. I'm not saying they've been in situations like this before, but, you know, they are players that are known for facing adversity. And they can prove that they can get hot. If they get hot at the right time, they're going to be a dangerous team. So I feel like... It's not no reason to panic. I feel like you find out what the issue is and you fix it. There's no reason to fire anybody, demote anybody, point the blame finger or nothing like that. You just shut up and grind. That's what one of those – like, you just grind it out. So, with the Bucks, I just feel like, you know, they're the least team out of the four teams that we just listed to be worried. Yeah. So, we already talked about the Broncos, the whole Russell Wilson situation mm-hmm. there. What do you think about Packers and the Colts? Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. With the Packers, it's got to be you got to get those wide receivers. You got to get wide receivers to help out Aaron Rodgers, but you also just have to fix the whole offense as a whole. To me, because he has for my thing is if you look at the Packers, he has minimum two seconds to throw the ball. Yeah, and combine that with a lack of veteran receivers and experience Mm -hmm. on the wide receiver corp. You just can't throw the ball. He has no time to do anything else. So I think on this one, it's a bit blame on the head coach it's a bit to blame on the offensive coordinator I think the least amount of blame goes towards Aaron Rodgers there yeah and with the Colts um you know recently it was said that Matt Ryan was dealing with shoulder injury and now he's benched for the rest of the season for Sam uh what's his last name how you say Ellinger Sam Ellinger from Texas so for me I'm a big Matt Ryan supporter always have been even with the time with the Falcons and and you can't blame the offensive line here you've got Quentin Nelson the the Colts have arguably one of the best offensive lines because they're running for 250 yards a game with Jonathan Taylor yeah so I I mean the problem is I don't necessarily blame Matt Ryan either because of the three wins that they have I think three of them were fourth quarter comebacks it's really you really gotta look at the three losses and see okay who's the blame here I mean, Matt Ryan has his fair share of interceptions, that's for sure, but he's also top five in passing yards. He's, like, top ten in passing TDs. So it's kind of like, who gets the blame? Or how much of the blame does Matt Ryan get? Their losses, they've got one tie. They tied the Texans. They mm-hmm. lost to the Jaguars 24 nothing. Yeah. They lost to the Titans 24-17. And they lost to the Titans again 19-10. Okay, so you lose to the Titans twice. Titans are four and two. You lose to the Jaguars, who were hot at that time, right? They were like they started off three, you know. Yeah. So they were very hot at that time. I don't know what happened to them now, but 
And then you lose who to the. Jose? But they all they've also beaten the Broncos. Yeah. They beat the Chiefs, which is a big win. And then they beat the Jaguars, so, 34-27. So yeah, so you know I felt like they probably pulled the plug a little bit too early. I mean I think he's still dealing with shoulder injury, so they had to pull the plug eventually. But you know it's kind of hard to say after seven games like he's to blame. I would they gave Carson Wentz a longer time, they gave Philip Rivers a longer time to establish themselves. So I think it's kind of unfair a little bit. Yeah. So. Now we're speaking injuries now. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, we could tie this into injuries. There's been a lot in the NFL recently. You just talked about Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen jo- Joey Bosa go down this year. We watched TJ Watt. TJ Watt, Teddy Bridgewater hit the ground hard. And then obviously the Tua Tagovailoa or Tungvailoa situation going on. Tua was what he called paralyzed, immobilized for at least 15 minutes. What what do you what do you have to say about this? I know you as a former football player yourself have gotten hurt on the field before. Yeah. What's kind of what's kind of the deal here? It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I don't want to blame the extra long game that they added onto the schedule, but sometimes I feel like a lot of athletes that are professionals nowadays are putting a lot of stress on their body. And even when you're not a professional, even just athletes in general, you put a lot of stress on your body and don't rest yourself enough to give your body the time to recover. And when you're going through a grueling NFL season with 17-game stretches and you have two bye weeks, you know, you're still pushing. You go through the camp phase and everything like that. You know, especially when you're pushing yourself 110% every day, you know, it, you're bound to see it, but I just kind of hate to see it happening so often. Um, you know, just off topic, i kind of been a fan of grass fields instead of turf fields because a lot of turf fields are where a lot of the knee injuries and things happen like that. You know, as far as with concussion protocol and concussion injuries, uh, I feel like the NFL's not the NFL, but we've been trying to do a good job to limiting how we go about it as far as the return to play and anything like that. But I also feel like the Dolphins really showed why it's still an issue in the NFL and probably why in the NFL it probably is a bigger issue than what we see yeah. on a yeah. meaningless basis. So you mentioned, I heard you mention grass fields, turf fields a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you have a, first of all, let me ask this, do you have a preference, turf or grass? Honestly, I love, I love grass field. A good, because, a good grass field. A good grass field. Yeah. So, I mean, if it makes a difference, obviously underneath that turf is a layer of concrete and then they just put the grass on top of it and they put a little, the, a sealant basically mm-hmm. to put it all together. I mean, if, if you look, if you look at teams in the World Cup and you look at Premier League soccer and stuff like that, they refuse to play on turf fields because I think there was a science on it. I don't want to quote this. I think it's 23% the risk of knee and hip injuries goes up when you play on turf fields rather than grass fields. So if you look at that and then you look at the injuries in the NFL and a lot of knee injuries, a lot of hip injuries, a lot of cutting injuries, the the non-contact injury, um, who was it the other day? There was someone who walking down the field, they were running a route and it was just a go route and Mm -hmm. he was just running and got caught by the turf monster Achilles. It's just one of those things to think about. Yeah. So then we're we're talking um talking changing a bunch of stuff in the NFL that has to do with the higher ups, Roger Goodell and stuff like that. So let's talk about that a little bit. Roger Goodell and suspensions. We've seen a lot of suspensions and a lot of fines given out in the past couple months. Um the obviously the biggest one, Deshaun Watson, that whole situation there. You've got Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins is now. First game was back on Monday night. Um, what do you think Roger Goodell and the NFL suspension-wise is doing well? What are they doing bad? Uh, I feel like what they're doing bad is not punishing players enough for the serious issues. Like, 
for example, we talked about Deshaun Watson issue and the multiple sexual assaults that's been accused of him. 26 now civil lawsuits against him. And they suspended him for what? What's eight games? 11 games 11 and 5 games. million. You know, and Calvin, you compare that to Kevin Ridley, who's been suspended for gambling. Gambling on games he wasn't playing in. He was sitting for at his home. Team. He was sitting at home yes. while doing that. No practice, no nothing. Sitting at home doing rehab. You know, for taking his a team. mental health break. You know, and he's suspended for the whole year. No yep. pay. You know, and when you look at the grand scheme of how the NFL operates and how teams know the NFL operates, is really, you know, astronomical to me because the Cle. The, here's a fun fact about the uh, contract with the Cleveland Browns. Um, the first year his contract is only a million guaranteed, I think. Yeah. So they were prepared for him to sit out for the whole year, but the NFL only gave him 11 games. And he appealed it, which means it could end up being shorter. Yeah. You know, so, so and I think the NFL PA, the NFL Players Association did appeal that original suspension, which is what got it lowered. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's really weird to see how the NFL handles serious issues and serious topics. I think some issues, yeah, yeah, I think some, like you were saying, some issues they handle very well. They mm-hmm. The whole um, DeAndre Hopkins situation, he got caught using PEDs, and you can make the argument that everybody uses PEDs in the NFL, but he's the one who got caught, right? So obviously there's going to have to be repercussions, and he's going to have to pay for his actions. Six-game suspension, I think that's plenty. Um, six games, that's third of the season at that point. Um, I think that's one that they did real well. Calvin Ridley, a year for gambling on games he wasn't even playing with and had no affiliation with the team at that point. Yeah. I think that's a bit too long, and then you've got Deshaun Watson. I think that's way too short. A year, 26 and counting. Yeah. I, I just think that Roger Goodell and the NFL and the NFL Players Association, the PA and all that kind of stuff, I think they fumbled that one. No, definitely. I think, I think, I think that's one they missed, they missed out on big time. So now going back to the actual players part of it, um, big trade happened this week. Christian McCaffrey got sent to San Francisco. Um, they gave up a second, third, and fourth rounder in this year's draft plus a fifth rounder in next year's draft. What are your thoughts on that one? It's crazy to me to see how much star talent is being given up and what is being given up for, especially running backs. When you took a look at running backs in the league, a lot of running backs probably are good for a solid four to five Three to four years. I, ain't I mean, say Todd Gurley. He, Todd Gurley had a great three years. And three years stretch. Played by plagued by injuries, plagued by all this kind of stuff. Um, they had another filler ring back come in, start playing really well, and now obviously just announced his retirement. Um, you might only have a good running back for three to four years. Yeah, and so you you realize now with the, within the league now, running backs and wide receivers are very expandable to an extent because you see with the Packers, like you really you still need solid wide receivers. You see with a lot of teams, you still need solid running backs. But you can find those in every draft of every year. Now, the money piece, the big money piece is like quarterbacks, of course, and offensive linemen. And, of course, defensive players. But you, you really want to focus on the offensive line, defensive line, and the quarterback room. Those are where the big like those are where the big changes are coming. Yeah. They're no longer coming from the running back wide receiver room. So did they give up too much for Christian McCaffrey? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. That's hot. That's I let me let me change your mind real fast. I'm I'm gonna try to change your mind. So they gave up a second, third, and fourth in this year's draft, right? And a fifth in next year's. Let me just give you a list of some second round running backs drafted in the last three years. Okay. Clyde Edwards Alaire, okay. DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, AJ Dillon, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Nick Chubb. All second round or third round running backs. I guess I it's more so of me not trusting the Carolina Panthers to cash in than what they gave what the 49ers gave up. 
Yeah. I would trust the 49ers front office more than I trust the Panthers front office. Yeah. And, I mean, you just look at the running backs coming out of college in the next couple of years. You've got the guys from Georgia. You've got the guys from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name from Georgia Tech transfer? Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs is coming out in the next couple of years. All of those guys could be available in the second round. Yeah. But also look at the offense that Kyle Shanahan has with the 49ers. CMC is a great fit for that offense. CMC with, the, with Jimmy Garoppolo or CMC with Trey Lance? I feel like CMC in general. Like, okay. Kyle Shanahan with Debo, the, with yeah. Debo Samuel, with Brandon Ayuk, George get, Kittle, all those kind of guys. That's why I like there. that combination yeah. because he put the ball in Debo and CMC's hands in any way, shape, form, or fashion. They're going to make something happen out of nothing. So you get Trey Lance back in the backfield. You get him healthy again. That might work out next year. With the Panthers, you have a lot more issues to face. You still have a lot, you know. I you have a lot more issues that a second, third, and fourth round pick will not fix. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think. But so, I mean, I, I get why it's not. I think they gave up too much, you know. Yeah. Um. So now we can we can talk our big question of the day. Um. We we mentioned it earlier. Do teams actually tank, and is it worth it for them actually to tank? I'll let you take this one first. Do I think teams tank? Yes, but I don't feel like it's the coaches and the players. I feel like it's more of a front office decision. But I feel like it's a lot more into the tanking method than we think it is. Like, I guess before I really paid attention to football and you kind of watch from the grand scheme and you hear about tanking, you're like, oh, they just want to suck on purpose. Like, that's not the case, I guess. Like, when teams play, they play to, they play to win. I mean, I'm sure coaches want to win and players want to win. But I think it's necessarily the personnel they put out there in order to play these games, you know, to compete. Like, for example, let's look with the Falcons. You would think the Falcons are tank, would tank this year. They're three and four, and the reason that they're three and four is because they have young guys that are very much competitors in on that staff on that team. You have a coach that's very young, well, not young, but he's very hungry, very trying to install a new culture into that into that team, breathe new air into the Atlanta Falcons. So necessarily, like when I think of tanking now, I think about okay, what kind of culture are they trying to establish, and how well is that working right now? Like, you got to look through the wins and the losses and see, okay, is this team competing? Like, how bad is it really? And what pieces do they need to replace in order to go from tanking to, okay, they're making progress? Yeah, I'm with you there. See, I I, I think I'm the same way with you. I don't think it's a player's decision. I think every player, if you if you ask any athlete ever in the world, no no player wants to lose. No one wants to lose football games. You put in all the work, the off-season work, especially the guys who are injured to get back. No one wants to lose a football game, but they don't have control over what play calls. Yes, the captains can make audibles, but they're still going to come out defensively in a 4-3, or they're going to come out in a 3-4 or cover 2 or something like that. So I think it's really the coaches who tank and the up yeah. op, the front office who are telling the coaches, hey, make these play calls, give up deep looks, give up this kind of stuff so that we can tank and that we can get a higher draft pick. Mm-hmm. So now that comes to the question with, is tanking worth it? I do, uh. Let's go. See, see, for me, I think in years past, yes. When you have guys like Trevor Lawrence, I probably would have tanked for Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You have that kind of high caliber player coming out. Tim Tebow, Reggie Bush, Barry Sanders. Those are guys I would have tanked for. Now, if I'm looking at this year's upcoming draft, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Anderson Jr., you've got Darnell Washington from Georgia, Jalen Carter, Jack, Jackson Smith at Jigba, Brian Brissee, Brian Branch from Alabama. None of those guys, although they are very good college players and I think are going to end up being productive NFL players, none of those guys stand out to me, whereas I want to go 0-16 this year yeah. or I want to go 1-15. Yeah. I that none of those guys are high on my list enough 
to make me want to tank. In my opinion, like I don't feel like you tank for one particular player. Like I feel like you 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 tank in order to rebuild. You kind of just build from the ground up. I don't feel like it's necessarily like a good thing to be like you know hey we're this year we're gonna tank for Bryce Young and then everything's gonna work out. Like that's not the case. You know I don't feel like if the Jaguar with the Jaguars driving Trevor Lawrence like they were expecting to go sixteen to oh you know it's a process. You know, and with that process, you have to accept the ups and downs of what that looks like. And in regards to that, like, a rebuild might take three, four years. So that's why, like, with the the idea of tanking, like, you have to do it multiple years in a row. Multiple years in a row. You have to get multiple top five draft picks. And you have to fix the inside part of that organization, whether it be personnel, whether it be coaching the front office. You have to fix that culture, fix the culture change in order to see the effects of the seeds that you plant and who you draft and everything. So is there any players or group of players within the past five years or a team in the NFL that has been tanking that you've realized has been tanking or a group of players that you would have tanked for? In the past five years? Yeah. It's kind of hard because like I'm looking at the Falcons and the problem is with the Falcons, they tanked, necessarily tanked, and grabbed Kyle Pitts and Dre London. The problem is they don't use them. But also the thing is, like, they have a quarterback who's playing efficiently, and even though he's not using them, still leading a pretty solid offense. You know what I'm saying? And you would think that if you draft these guys top ten back-to-back years on the outside quarter offense. They're going to run win rookie of the year. They're, they're going to win rookie of the year. Thousand-yard season or you something You know what I'm like saying? That. And yeah. at this point, it's kind of like developing developing them in order to for long-term success. And it's kind of hard to see that now because you're like, Drake London should be a work of the year candidate and Kyle Pitts should be leading tight ends in categories. But it's kind of like, okay, they're winning games and they're not complaining. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, have they bought into the culture change that's going on around them? Because I don't see Kyle Pitts going to the media complaining about being three and four. And I don't see Drake London in the media complaining about being three and four. You know, I see a team that's hungry. You, you look at the Broncos, for example, who's a Jerry Judy? Yeah. Wants to trade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like you have to you have to look at each team's draft picks. You have to look at each team's situation differently. Expectations expect a little bit more on yeah. teams like that. Players are going to be more upset when teams want to tank when expectations are high. Yeah, exactly. So it's really about the team's atmosphere, the team's perception of, okay, what does this year look like for us? Because every team's I feel like they want to win Super Bowl, but they're also realistic. Yeah, that makes sense. And that'll do it for episode two. We wrapped up just about everything in the NFL. Hope y'all enjoyed. Um, We want to thank y'all for listening for episode two. We'll be back next week or in a couple of weeks talking about the NBA, talking about the Lakers, the Hawks, who's in, who's out for the NBA playoffs. Thank you for listening. This is Straight Up with Mike and Mark Eden.